Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Bob. It's another edition of the Blue White Breakdown, another driving out of State College edition of the Blue White Pump. Breakdown. Uh, it's raining in State College. It also feels like it could be September. Uh, shorts today. Yeah. I've gotten away with it. I'm a little ticked. Yeah, no question about that. Penn State beats three and Michigan five, Penn State. State. That's right. Uh, three and five, Penn State now beats Michigan State. I guess let's just start with your initial takeaways from what was a horrible first half and then a very good second half for the Nittany Lions. Well, I hinted, I hinted at it. Uh, on Penn Live, Greg Pickle. You know, it's not unlike the season. It was like a, it was like a, what do they call it? A microcosm? Is yeah. that a big word? Correct. Microcosm of the season. Terrible start. You know, 0 and 5. Got it together. Latter part of the uh, season to finish 3 and 5. Pretty nice win at Michigan and at Rutgers. Uh, and then they started off rather uh, disturbingly in the first half at home again. Uh, against a Michigan State team that, you know, you know, the, other than one quarter today, they, they couldn't do much, but that one quarter was impressive in the second quarter. Lions are down 21-10. No Jason Owe, no Tariq Castro-Fields again, no Devin Ford. You know, it's been uh, a story, you know, it hasn't necessarily been COVID, but it's been injuries that have really undermined this team. And they really dominated, you know, the second half. The drive to start the third quarter was huge to get it to 21 16, they go for two, get it, make it 21-18. You know, later in the game, we could talk about it. I mean, you wrote something about Jahan Dotson, who was just terrific this year uh, for Penn State. You know, pound for pound, their best player. I didn't see this kind of year coming from him. Uh, he was he was every bit an all-Big Ten receiver and more. Clutch, clutch player shows up as a return man in the special teams on an 81-yard punt return. But before that, Greg, I really kind of felt like a James Franklin touched on it, you know. The defense also had to play pretty well in the second half. And even though they gave up a field goal in the third quarter, the fact that they didn't give up seven points when it was Michigan State got a first and goal uh, at the Penn State four, they were able to hold them to three points. They scored again. And right after that, I think everyone in the stadium, which was just the writers, um, kind of felt like Penn State had uh, kind of made a stand, and they just got better and better as the game went on. Yeah, there's no question about any of that, Bob. Um, I, I think that when you saw Penn State early, it was a lot of the same problems that have plagued them all year long. It's the predictability on offense and nobody making a tackle on defense. You know, Brent Pry talked earlier in the week about how – the tackling issues, he's the biggest critic of them and yeah. talked about the fact that, you know, they have issues in space. Tackling in space is the biggest problem. And he was really critical about his own position group, saying that, yeah. you know, the linebackers are probably the biggest culprits of those tackling issues. And we saw it again today in the first half, but it was much better after the opening drive in the second half. Yeah. Penn State really seemed to get it figured out uh, at that point in time, Bob, and you're right. It kind of just all snowballed on Michigan State. The uh, first-time starter, Peyton Thorne, the quarterback, was Joe Montana in the first yeah. half and Joe Nobody in the second half. Um, yeah. 
Penn State finally got the pass rush home in the second half of this game, and that changed just about everything for this team. So, uh, yeah, and then when you talk about Dotson, Bob, I mean, he's a guy who I'd have never thought prior to the season could yeah. be a leave early for the NFL draft candidate, but I have to think it's in consideration right now. I mean, he's an all-Big Ten player this year. Uh, probably won't get consideration for any kind of an All-American list, but right. – I mean, because his numbers should – I mean, they're good, but they're not great because Penn State's offense hasn't been great for too much time uh, this year. But, I mean, he's been as good as anyone in the Big Ten. He's reliable. He catches the ball. Maybe not the fastest guy, but he has enough speed. I mean, this is this is a guy who Penn State certainly would love to have back next year, but I don't know if he's going to have that luxury. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, you know, he was asked the obligatory question after the game, and they always say the same thing. Just focusing on the present, happy to win on senior day, important to finish the season strong. Greg, I mean, you and I both know he's probably going to solicit uh, an NFL draft evaluation. I think each team's allowed a handful of those just to kind of find out where he's at. Jahan Dotson is, you know, everything you said is right. He almost always catches the ball. He runs very good routes. Um, deceptive speed on that punt return, you saw how deceptive that was. Uh, he outran a lot of Spartans uh, up that up when, when he went down the sideline on the Michigan State sideline. I'll be really – there's people who, you know, look good at time fast, you know, when it's the summer or winter conditioning. And there are, there are people who play really fast in pass. He could just be one of those guys. Because you don't see – when you average 18 yards to catch for your career, you don't see a lot of people catching him from behind. Right. So I think he's a little faster. The high thing with Jahan is he, he's not frail, but you just wonder about his durability at about maybe 100 pounds, uh, how that kind of plays out and how the NFL views that. He's also not the tallest guy, but we'll see. He's going to get, I'm sure, a draft evaluation, but the fact that he can return punts obviously um, would help him. Greg, Greg, let me ask you this. Before we get to the real, the really big news about Penn State today, and I'll get to that a little bit later, you know, if I would, tell, if I would have told you at the start of the day that Shane Simmons is going to answer the bell and be a true difference maker when they really had to have him or somebody come off the edge, be disruptive. I mean, I, I, I think he would have laughed at me. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one kid that, uh, man, he's been through so much at Penn State, Bob. Injuries and health problems and, and not, you know, maybe playing to the four-star potential we thought he could. So, for him to go out on top like that on CJ, yeah. I mean, he will have the extra year of eligibility, but he's already been at Penn State for five years. <laughs> you know, when we talk about this idea of maybe guys come back and maybe guys want another year. I think it's important to remember that five and six years on college campus playing college football, doing everything you have to do to play right. in a pandemic or not in a pandemic, it's just that's a long time, man. So I don't think we'll see him back, but if that was his last game at Penn State, what a way to go out. Yeah. Uh, I think he finished with, what, nine tackles or seven tackles, two for long. Yeah, he had some quarterback hits. He yep. had some tackles in the backfield, You know, he, and he was involved early. It was great to see. Greg, my thing about people, you know, I heard from some fans, I think you heard from some fans about, you know, seniors who, will they take advantage of the loophole? Correct. Right. I would just say this to the fans, you know, unless you're, you have to really love football, right? Come back. Because, A, if you come back for another year, it says something about maybe where you think yourself, you are, maybe in the NFL picture. But to, to play a season in a pandemic, Considering what they they were essentially quarantined since June, right? Tested. It's like dog years. That feels like to me they played seven seasons. I don't know how 
you would come back for another year, especially when you don't really know what next year is going to look like or how much better it's going to be in terms of isolation and all the testing and all. You, you just don't know. So I just I would I would be very hesitant to to lump anyone in from the senior class that's maybe on the fence about coming back because that's quite a sacrifice to do it two years in a row. But they did have you know they, they did have some seniors you know Greg you know answer the bell. But as we continue along on this Penn State post game blue white breakout following their win over the Spartans on Senior Day, I mean there's just a, a lot to talk about. You know. It finally happened. Like, you know, I I didn't I didn't they they teased us the whole game. Right. But Will Levis finally got to let his arm turn loose, I think, for the first time. He's got a strong arm since the Iowa game. He actually threw three passes, completed all of them. Not all of them were pretty. Right. One of them I thought almost was gonna get intercepted. But you know, they were able to make the two quarterback approach work. They both kinda had defined roles. You know, Will Levis, short yardage guy, third and one, fourth and one, third and two, he's in the game. Like, they didn't really have – there's no pretense. They're going to give him the ball. More often than not, he found a way to get it. Sean Clifford didn't start the game well. I thought throwing the ball, he missed some open receivers. Settled down in the second half. They found some things that worked. He actually ran for a long touchdown in the first half. You know, James was asked about the two quarterback uh, plan moving forward in 2021. He wanted to – not really to address that. Right. I don't blame him. But I, I you know, I could see I could see a scenario next year where it might make sense to use multiple quarterbacks just for the way that this offense plays out. Because you look at who they're gonna have coming back, assuming Dawson would come back, yeah. but they'll prior to they're gonna need every edge they can get, I yeah. think, on offense. They're gonna lose their center, Michael Mennett. I mean, so it's just you know, this team, Greg you know, not an explosive team. Right. You can document all the reasons why. Prime gets hurt. Journey Brown doesn't play. No, okay, not an explosive runner, but a different kind of runner. Hurt on the first series. Devin Ford was never really around the, the whole year. So just not an explosive team, and it's really hard. It's really hard to score in the 30s right? when you have to grind the way Penn State's had to grind on offense. Bob, transfer portal, quarterback hunt, I think we're going to be talking about that this offseason. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, and there may not be anybody out there for Penn State to go and get, because I do believe that if you're going to introduce somebody into your quarterback room, you have to be almost 100% certain that he's going to win the job. Yeah. And I don't know how many of those type of guys are in the transfer portal, because if they're in there, it probably means they could win the job at the school that they were at. So that's what's the challenge there, but I know fans are going to talk about that all off season. The grass is always green on the other side. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But I don't think, you know, to your point, I mean, Will Levis might as well be moved to running back. I just, I mean, the, the idea, like James Franklin keeps saying that he wishes he'd throw more. He's the head coach for his team. He can, he can make that happen. I don't really understand why he keeps saying that, but either way, um, you know, obviously it works. I mean, I know everyone wants to see Will Evans throw, but it's almost like a don't throw. If it's not broke, don't fix it thing. I mean, Bob, when he comes in, the other team knows what he's going to do, and he still gets the first down nine times out of ten. A couple times he didn't on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is what Penn State has the rest of the year. I don't know if it's something that can work long term in, into yeah. 2021 and beyond. Of course, we have a long time to discuss all of that. But that's what they're going to do this year. They seem to uh, have made it work. But, you know, again, I think even though they scored 39 points, seven of which were, of course, from the special teams. Season I just, high, buddy. Season yeah, high. I know. I just really feel like 
point we'll see more of Kirk Scirocco's offense, and maybe he just doesn't trust the quarterbacks. Maybe he doesn't uh, feel like he can get the run game going without the two top two guys and yeah. now Devin Ford's not around. So, I mean, I think you have to cut him some slack, but Bob, his offense just feels predictable at times. I think that's been a frustration of fans, regardless where they score nine points, 19 or 39. And, you know, obviously, again, you noted it, that they're out without a lot of explosive guys. And they really only have two receivers in Parker Washington and Jahan Dobson and Keontre Lambert-Smith pitches in every now and again. But, you know, it's – um. It is definitely interesting to watch this evolution of this offense because it's kind of not really evolving. It is, but it isn't. And, uh, you know, we'll see who they play in week nine right. and if they get a bowl game. But they've also done it against three pretty bad defenses. Yeah. As far as your, your query about the transfer portal, let's be honest. There's a five-star in the transfer portal who's going to go to Ohio State. Sure. Because Justin Fields is leaving, and I'm sure, you know, it just seems like that's the way it's going to go. If Oklahoma's got an opening good, it'll go there. I don't know what I, I guess Hudson's got that big kid coming back after Lawrence leaves, but they're going to go to what you know. They're going to go to the to the truly elite school. Maybe they go to Notre Dame. I don't. I just don't know the odds of Penn State getting a five-star recruit via the transfer portal. But you know, anything is possible. Before we get to Week Nine, though, Greg, I have a question for you because you know we haven't really said the magic words yet today. Land Grant Trophy. Um, it, it resides. At, it, it resides at State College and at Penn State University for another year. They won it last year at Michigan State 28-7. They did win in 2018, so they're going to have it for at least two years. Greg, my question for you, and this might be a selfish question, but if it was not a pandemic, if it was a typical year, and you were James Franklin, would you allow your seniors, much like in the Stanley Cup playoffs to the champions, let each senior spend a day and a night the land grant trophy. It's like 97 pounds yep. and, and be high. Yes. And they could take it to any bar, any club, any establishment, any fraternity party they would want to. And just spend a day with it with pictures. And it's, it's, it's something to celebrate. Would you, A, would you be in favor of that? And, B, what would you do with it? What would you do with the land grant trophy if you had it for a day? Oh, it'd be going on the bar tours of Middletown and the greater Harrisburg area. <laughs> it might not come back. It might not come back. No, I mean, yeah, I think obviously the land grant trophy would be a tremendous traveling trophy, especially because it's so heavy. You wouldn't have to. You could use it as a weapon, too. You could, yeah. You could yes. take it to a bar and a fight breaks out. You hit somebody with the land grant trophy, they're not going to get it. It's a very versatile trophy, Bob, that's for sure. You know, Penn State obviously. Uh, I think it's now 17-17-1 all-time against the yeah. State. So this series has been very even uh, for a long time now. And, you know, Mel Tucker, I think, has some interesting pieces. And we saw Peyton Thorne was somewhat uh, yeah. serviceable there in the first half. But, you know, then in the second half, I think the offensive line broke down a little bit. Penn State right. was better with the pass rush, and he just didn't have anyone getting open. I mean, they are – they do not have a lot of playmakers on that offense. I know that obviously the one guy who's averaging, what, 20 yards a catch got open behind Jaquan Hardy for a touchdown. Way I think the safety blew that, but we'll, yeah. we'll never know. Agreed. So, yeah, I mean, you know, so Penn State, it takes care of business. I mean, I guess one question I have for you, Bob, and there's been some people who have written about this on the beat, is do you think Penn State's really – I mean, I don't want to say as good as a three and five football team because it's, it's just weird this year to use the record as a barometer because they're, I mean, it is what yeah. it is. But, I mean, do you think they've improved between the 0 and 5 start and now, or did they finally just get to the bad part of the schedule where all the bad teams reside? 
you know, there's something to be said for resiliency. There's something to be said for staying together. There's something to be said for, you know, overcoming adversity. And I would say that, uh, you know, a lot of times James Franklin talks about how different his team is from they were at the start when they were like the number seven team in the nation. And, yes, they have had some significant personnel losses. Like, you know, I've said, you, I've said this to you, said it on the podcast. They don't even win the Cotton Bowl without Michael Parsons. Right. Like they have thirty eight points in that game. They might have given up they might have given up sixty eight points if he wasn't on the field. Right. That's how good of a player Micah was. As far as Penn State standing uh in the Big Ten, the way I look at it is this. Um you know, there they were three and five. The games that they won, I thought they were at the end of the game they were the clearly better team. I don't yeah. think you know, Michigan State had one good quarter today, but the way that Michigan, uh, Penn State played in the second half, I think they showed that they were the better team. You know, I would say this, Greg. It, honestly, um, I, I think they should have won at Indiana, and I think they were better than Nebraska. Now, credit Indiana for making those unbelievable drives late in regulation and in overtime in the guts Tom Allen had to go for two both times. But Penn State, you know, there was a point in that game where if you laid out a probability of Penn State had just kind of stuck to traditional game planning, they were literally 99.9% to win that game. If they win that game, you know, we're talking about a 4-14. Four um, if they didn't literally hand Nebraska the game in the first half in Lincoln where you were out there, right? Uh, Sean Clifford was just awful in that first half. I mean, they were the better team in the second half. They had a couple of chances to show it. Could, I mean, I, I think you could make a strong case, Greg, that this team could easily – have been five and three. I won't go any further in terms of upside. I thought Maryland waxed them. Yeah. I thought Iowa physically waxed them in the second half. And I thought Ohio State toyed with them at right. the stadium. Um, I just thought they just had too much athleticism in the But I could make a case that this team could have been five and three. They didn't execute when they had to early, but I think you have to give them credit. There's if you look around you look around uh, college football, there's a lot of teams that for whatever reason don't want to answer the bell, aren't answering the bell, or just not really able to maintain any type of consistency. I think you have to give a team like Minnesota credit today. They were short-handed by like 35 guys. You know, that was a team that was able to win today. I think you have to give Penn State, you know, similar credit. You have to you have to fight through some things. You know, they obviously adhere to some pretty strict protocols, judging yeah. by the testing numbers, consistently every couple of weeks. They were having two or three people test positive. So I think you got to give them a lot of credit for making that a priority and the fact that they were able to get better, the fact that they didn't hang their heads. Um, you know, you got to play the team that's on the schedule. So, you know, they, 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 yeah, they didn't have to play Northwestern. That's true. They didn't have to play, you know, they didn't have to play some other teams. But, you know, I think this is large, by and large a 500 team. Yeah. And I think had, had they had Journey Brown and had they had Michael Parsons, I think they probably were a six or seven win team. Yeah. I think maybe they beat Iowa. I just don't think they were going to beat Ohio State. It is what it is. Um, I, my question to you is, and I don't want to outdate anything on this podcast because the way that the Big Ten works, right. they do things in really stupid order. So let's just talk generally about week nine. Let's not speculate because by the time we're finished with this podcast and it's up on 10 Live, they, the Big Ten might have already released some information about the next week. We know yeah. we know James Franklin is not happy about how they've handled this. You know, it's, it's Saturday night. It's about seven o'clock Saturday night as we talk. They still don't know right who they're playing next week. 
I assume they want to play. I assume a lot of the players want to play. I just don't know what day they're going to play and how the Big Ten is going to determine who Penn State's next opponent is because I think it's going to be, there's, there's not going to be 14 Big Ten teams playing next week. Well, yeah, I mean, so that's the issue, right, is that you had a number of teams have games canceled and paused, you know, because they had to pause uh, – Pulse their workouts, and so, and obviously not play because of COVID issues. So, one of those teams, of course, is Ohio State, which is going to the Big Ten title game. So that takes them out of play, along with, of course, Big Ten West champ Northwestern. But yeah, I mean, where is Indiana at at this point? Where is Purdue at at this point? Where is Michigan at at this point? Um, you know, will anybody come out of their games this week with COVID issues that will uh, change things? It's going to be an interesting week, to say the least. I mean. I agree with what James Franklin's saying, that it just kind of seems silly that they don't know who they're playing, and it's Saturday night at 7 o'clock, and there's no guarantee they're going to find out uh, by Sunday morning at 7 o'clock or even Sunday night at 7 o'clock. You know, we've heard that maybe they'll wait till Monday to announce it, but obviously it's going to be ASAP. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's just a lot of unknowns at this point, obviously, and a lot of questions without really good answers. I mean, what do you do if – uh, there's not a number of teams available to play. Who sits out? Uh, what do you do if a team starts the week with um, good news and then, you know, something happens yeah. and, you know, it's, let's say it's Thursday and Team A has COVID problems and so does Team C somewhere else, do they then put Teams B and D against each other on short notice? You know, I don't know. There's not, you know, again, there's not really a lot of good answers yeah. to this stuff other than they want to play the game right. for TV purposes. I mean, you get the yeah. TV money. So my my I don't my idea is just have a Big Ten triple header. Pick the six best teams and offer them the opportunity to play out in Indianapolis. First game kicks off at noon. That's the third place game. Second place game kicks off at four or four fifteen. The championship game kicks off at eight thirty. Yeah. What say you? I like it. I would be I would have been a fan of that. You know what? I'm not even sure how many Big Ten teams even want to play this week. <laughs> I mean. Again, you know, we hear – and the same thing goes for the bowl game. Like, John Dawson said he would absolutely want to play in a bowl game if Penn State was elected for one, which it's interesting because there's been a lot of Big Ten affiliated bowls canceled, but at the same time there's a lot – there's already two teams who have said they don't want to play in bowl games, Pitt and Boston College, even though they probably would have been invited should they have decided to play. So I think that's obviously going to be an issue this year, teams not wanting to play and opting out and all that. Penn State could be one of them. We don't know. I, but we don't even know if you're going to get invited to a bowl game. But, yeah, it just – it's very interesting, Bob, because, um, you know, these guys have been through a lot this year. There's no question. Everyone has. But the sacrifices they've made, not seeing their family. I mean, the seniors taking senior day photos with their parents in the stands. I mean, there's a lot going on, obviously. And so it wouldn't shock me if Penn State and a lot of schools just said, you know what, we don't want to play in a bowl game. But I do think Penn State wants to play in week nine. We'll see yeah. about the postseason. When the postseason gets here, we got to get – I mean, we're talking about the postseason. We don't even know who Penn State's last Big Ten opponent is going to be as we talk about it. So it'll be interesting. I mean, with that, you know, I was reading our sister site, NJ.com, before we hit the road after Penn State, Michigan State. Nice shout-out. I like it. They were uh, – their James Crash was suggesting that – uh, Minnesota and Indiana might request to re- – or not – Minnesota and Wisconsin might request to reschedule their rivalry game. Is that the old Oaken bucket? That is, and it was canceled back on uh, November 24th because of yeah. COVID. So, I mean, that would obviously be West versus West, and the whole idea of this thing was East versus West. So, I think the Big Ten could do just about anything in this one. I wouldn't put uh, anything past them, Bob. And uh, James Franklin's not going to, like, waiting to find out who he's going to play. 
he was complaining on Wednesday night during his news conference that East schools were supposed to host these games. Now that might be changing. He was not happy about that. So something tells me whatever happens to Bobby is probably not going to be overly thrilled with the outcome no matter what. Yeah, I think you're going to see Penn State next week play, but the more I think about it, I think the bowl thing is a long shot because if they play in a bowl game, they're going to have to they're going to have to essentially quarantine over Christmas in State College because right. when would they play the bowl game? Yeah, the earliest they could play the bowl game would be literally Christmas Day. Right. Because it would be have to be at least a week out, and if they play after Christmas, they still need to spend Christmas away from their families, you know, by themselves up there, getting tested, not having any fun. I just, I just, you know. Even if Penn State's four and five, I I, I just think they'd be better off make the bowls, you know, sh- you know, cut down on most of the bowls and the teams give, give some teams like some incentive, maybe give them an extra week of spring practice, just do something like that. I just think there's a lot of tired, weary, mentally fatigued teams, coaches. James Franklin made a point. I I, I was actually glad that he did, Greg. You know, he kind of singled out, you know, all the people that you don't think about that made this Penn State. You know, yeah. season possible, whether it was the managers or the training staff or, you know, any kind of support staff, they all made tremendous sacrifices just like the players and coaches did so there could be a Penn State season. And I just think to extend that, you know, for a team that's four and five, it has going to have to have no Christmas after having no Thanksgiving. Right. I mean, what are we doing? What are we talking about? I think you just, I hate to say it, you punt on the bowl game. You hope for the vaccine, and you hope for some semblance of normalcy. Normalcy, yeah. Uh, you know, at some point during the spring, I just they if they really want to play in a bowl game, God bless them. But I just I just wonder, like, I just wonder about their mental health almost yeah. as much as their physical health because it's been this is going on since June, and it's, it's no way to live your lives no. when you're between 18 and 21. Yeah, I'm 100 percent on the same page with you, Bob. I get what Jahan Dotson is saying as we get into the final minutes of this. Yeah, extended Saturday evening blue-white breakdown. I get what Jahan Dotson is saying, that you don't know how many times you get to play with your teammates and you always want to go out and play and all that kind of stuff. I get it, I do. But I do wonder if the reality of the situation is that he might feel that way. There might be some guys who feel that way. But I just wonder how many don't. And, right. You know, you saw it on Twitter, the Pitt assistant yeah. coach um, came out and said that the coaches wanted to play a bowl game, the uh, administrators wanted to. But 90% of the team did not, and so that's why Pitt decided not to play in a bowl game. I'm not saying Penn State, 90% of its roster doesn't want to play in a bowl game, but I would have to think there's at least some guys, not because of their future NFL stuff, like Jason Alway was unavailable today. I would be – Jim Franklin suggested that he was hurt in the Rutgers game, and that's why he didn't he did play. He did hurt in the Rutgers game. I know yeah. the players talked about uh, So I doubt we'll see him the rest of the year, obviously, yeah. and he's you know, possibly going to declare for the NFL draft. But – I mean, I just – I don't know how many guys are really hell-bent on – and you can't even go have fun in a bowl city. I mean, number yeah. one, you know, we're talking about – Plus, we can't have fun in a bowl. Correct. I mean, let's, let's not make it about us, but yeah. we can't go on any kind of, like, fun trip. So that's – I mean, but, yeah, by the way, go ahead. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the bowl week for the kids is as much about experiencing right. a new city yeah. and going out to different yeah, things, whether it's yeah. – Yeah, top golf or whatever, you know, these different things in different areas. But – I mean, there's none of that this year. It's going to be like a road game. You're going to come in at best, what, Bob, maybe two days before, probably a day before. Right. And you're going to leave right after the game, which is what they do anyway, but they usually get to spend time with their families. You can't do that. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out. 
as you know, noted, Bob, if you're listening to this and you know who Penn State plays in week nine, uh, if you don't know, you can check out PennLive.com slash Penn State football. We will have that news up there. I have a bad feeling we're going to finish this, Bob, and there's going to be some news coming out before we uh, get it posted. But what are we going to do? Yeah, real quick before we sign off to the full breakdown. If you, you, Greg Pickle, would bring the Land Grant Trophy to your home in the greater Middletown area, would you three-year-old golden retriever Lola freak out? Yes, she would, Bob. There's no question that she would be afraid of it and would hide from wherever it was, much like she does with the sweeper. That is it.